You are listening to the Talking Tough Podcast, the world's toughest men and women at their most vulnerable. Their stories of triumph, their falls from grace, and their climb back to the top, to life. This is Rick Bassman here for Talking Tough on the Podcast One Network. So in my book, Little Big Man, which I will release one of these days, it's written, there are all kinds of different uh, gimmicks, themes. One's called Tall Tales, which is, you know, just a story from life. Uh, although called Tall Tales, we all know that means kind of like an exaggeration or a fib. The one, the one qualifier is this. I have photos from virtually everything to verify that these things, in fact, happen uh, the way I've written them and the way that I'll, I'll tell these stories here um, on Talking Tough once every week. So here we go. Little big man, tall tales. Uh, people often ask me how I got into dog rescue. Uh, it, it's funny, I think, I think about it now, and there, there's a very definitive answer, but I relate it now so much more to that old adage of things happen for a reason. You know, as you get older, you get a little more philosophical, and, and I tie the two together for, for the following reason. I always wanted pit bulls. I don't know why. There was something about the breed that I just thought was cool. And I was able to realize that dream uh, one one evening when my fiance Ann and I went and picked out two beautiful little Staffordshire Bull Terrier puppies. And we named them Marley and Ramon after Bob Marley and the band the Ramones. And I immediately fell in love with them. And they were like the true joys and, and loves of my life. Um, I was riding high at that time in life, uh, you know, big house over the ocean in San Clemente, the nice cars, a, a lot of money in the bank. Um, the wrestling company, UPW, my MMA company, Valor, were, were both, you know, firing on all pistons. Life, uh, life looked good, although, you know, I realize now in retrospect, I, I was on a fast track to destroy all of that. It was uh, surgeries followed by narcotics addiction followed by me turning into, I don't want to say a bit of a maniac, but allowing those things that, that I caused to seep into my life, the pain, the physical pain, which I created through stupidity earlier in my life, uh, becoming addicted, which is all my fault. It, it changed my behavior. And I slowly started to sink everything that I had built. Uh, the big house went away. Uh, my fiance with her beautiful two-year-old daughter when we first met who was now four at this point and calling me daddy my my first shot at fatherhood um that she was gone um and then one thing i sunk valor i was able to sell off the remnants of upw to, to wwf uh, but i essentially lost everything and ended up uh desperate depressed homeless bitter the whole nine yards broke, but I still had my dogs, Marley and Ramon. And I lost a temporary place where they were, they and I were staying together. We'd all sleep in the same bed. And that was my, my solace and, and my comfort. And I would look at them and see a reason to keep going and to, to try to build myself back up and lost a place we were staying. Thought I had a lead on another. So I barely had any resources left, but something that might be affordable to get into. So while I was going out to look at this place, I boarded Marley and Ramon for a weekend. The place was a ways away. This is before I started taking my dogs everywhere with me. 
I boarded them for a weekend at a brand new boarding facility out in Wildemar, California, called Mastiff and Friends. Uh, it's no longer here. Uh, places in the middle of nowhere. I remember driving away from the gate and them like running up to the gate. And maybe it's just where I was at that point in my life, but it was so sad watching them look at me drive away. And I'm like, it's okay, guys. I'll be back in a day or two. Anyway, that night, I get a call from the boarding facility that Marley Ramon had escaped. And that they had sunk new uh, new pens in concrete. Concrete wasn't dry. They pushed out the fence, got out of the facility, and they were gone. I was now back in uh, Burbank. It was two hours away to where they were. I went speeding out there um, in, in my beautiful Mercedes that I purchased from Joe Millionaire. It was like, uh, you know, it's funny. I barely had two nickels to rub together, yet I still hanging on to the pretty much the nicest Mercedes on the road. I don't brag about it. It becomes part of this little tale in a moment. Uh, I get out to where they had gone missing. I shout, I, I walk up and down the streets, run up and down the streets, dirt roads really in this rural area, shouting their names all night long and scream myself hoarse and nothing. In the morning when it opens, I'm, I'm sitting outside of Animal Friends of the Valley. It's a local shelter and waiting for them to open. It opens up, I go in, I report Marley and Ramon missing, give their descriptions. I'm talking to this lady, Kylie, who I became friendly with. She's a manager of uh, Animal and Friends. And while I'm there, Animal Control comes in and the officer comes up, starts talking to us. And she's like, hmm, I picked up a staffy off of the road today. It had been run over. And I start to, to freak out and panic. And she says, wait, wait, but you said um, they're both boys, right? And I go, yeah, she goes, oh, this, this is the girl. I'm like, oh, thank God. Although I felt bad for whoever lost their dog, of course. And I keep talking with Kylie. The officer comes back about five minutes later. She goes, you know what? Because I went back and I checked. She goes, I didn't look carefully because the dog had been run over. Obviously, this dog has been neutered. It is a male. Do you want to take a look? And my heart starts pounding. And we, I follow, you know, follow her to wherever it is we're going. I was kind of like shell shocked at this point. Been a hell of a few months with all the losses and, and the addiction and the depression and the homelessness. And now my heart's pounding thinking about, is this one of my dogs? And she has a trash bag. It's like a big white hefty bag. She reaches in, she grabs a leg and boom, out comes Marley crushed to death. Uh, and I don't think I've ever lost it so hard in my life. Not when, you know, not when I was diagnosed stage four, not when my mom died suddenly, boom, boom, you know, tragedy, poor me, right? But it's been a lot of traumatic incidents. This one registered for whatever reason, highest on my scale ever. Um, lost Marley. Ramon was still gone. I spent, I had the animal control officer. I followed her, had her show me where she picked uh, Marley's body up off the skirt road. I parked my Mercedes there, which in my book is now referred to not so lovingly as the Mercedes motel. And I spent two months living in the backseat of that car, uh, just obsessed. I spent at this time, literally every last dollar I had making color signs for Ramon, put up Ramon Facebook, visited local schools, trying to get people involved to find him. And I just created this mission called finding Ramon. And that went on for about 60 days, living in the back of my Mercedes, uh, subsisting primarily on drugs and alcohol. Again, a story for a different day, which ended in a pretty, another pretty traumatic way for me, which brought me back indoors. Anyway, 
I'll tell that story another time. The long and short of it is after six months missing, and I've been getting hundreds of phone calls at this point from 951 area codes because I had so many signs out. See, there's one right now. All right, 12 years later. Um, 951 calls on my phone popping up all the time because I had so much stuff out looking for Ramon. I would get just false lead after false lead after false lead. Oftentimes, this is now all these months later when I got back to LA where I was living in the uh, storage room of a porn studio that my buddy let me stay in. Again, story for another day. Uh, I'm getting ready to, and I would, I'm sorry, I would drive out. If I get a call that sounded credible, I would drive out from Burbank to the Wildemar Lake Elsinore area, um, go look for Ramon where he was spotted, and again, scream myself hoarse, not find him, come home all dejected. Um, Pitbulls and parolees actually heard about the effort, and there's a whole uh, episode in season two they contacted me. Uh, the episode is called Finding Ramon, where they came out. They took these awful color signs I had made. They redid them. We put them on thousands of poles. They helped me look for them for a whole day. The idea was we'd find them, and that'd be a great happy ending for the episode. But it unfortunately didn't go down that way, although I really appreciated uh, you know, their contribution and, and what they did for me. It was amazing. So in any case, um, I'm back in, uh, in Burbank. And I'm getting ready to start a job. I got myself back together. I got a great job. It's a Saturday, the book the day before I start on Monday, 7 a.m. My phone rings and I look at it. It's a 951 number. I'm like, oh God, not this again. And I answer the phone and it's uh the voice says, Rick, it's Kylie. And Kylie's a manager of the local shelter. She goes, We got him. So they picked Ramon up off the streets. They recognized him immediately because I'd become such a pain in their asses with all calling them all the time and making sure they were staying up to date and so on and so forth. So I got my buddy back. Between the time I moved back into that studio in LA, Burbank, and between uh, the time Ramon came back, just for therapy, I reached out to like every pit bull rescue organization I could possibly find or any organization that had anything to do with pit bulls and threw myself into volunteering. And in doing that, I really learned about the breed and, and fell in love with them more than I ever thought I could. Uh, so Marley, moral of the story is Marley being killed, the crushed body coming out of the bag. You know, at that moment in time, someone looked me in the face and said, hey, Rick, you know, things happen for a reason. This is happening for a reason. I probably would have lost my shit at them, but I can look at back, look back at this now. You know, these days, my biggest passion on this planet bar none are, are bully breed dogs and the rescue of those dogs and the rehabilitation of those dogs and, and the bettering of their vastly unearned negative reputation. Um, it's my, it's my number one pursuit, my number one joy, my number one passion. Um, I, I had Ramon for 11 years after we found him. He passed just three months ago today, actually. Um, I have his beautiful adopted sister, Gogo, here, who I got at rescue from Linda Blair, who's now my dear friend. I met through this whole ordeal. I have Eos here, I have Dennis here. They were all severely abused rescues. They were terrified when I first came across them. They're all doing great now. It's really fulfilling to be able to do this. Uh, I. I reach out, I help other rescues. Again, it's my passion. I'd like to make it a full-time thing if I ever could. Um, it's where I wanna be, where I wanna direct my energies. And I, I definitely cannot say that I am thankful that what happened in my life with Marley, can't say I'm thankful that happened, 
but it led to where I am in the dog world today. And uh, with that said, I think things do happen for a reason. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that.